Welcome to Whole and Holy, the Bethel Seminary podcast. I'm Dr. Peter Vogt, the Dean of Bethel Seminary and the host of your podcast today. I'm joined today by a special guest. Leif Erickson is Community Engagement Leader for Thrivent Financial. He serves as a member of the local leadership team for Thrivent Financial. Leif's background includes five-plus years as a financial professional. Before he sold his practice, he joined a global ministry focused on teaching biblical financial principles. And through that season of his career, Leif worked with dozens of church leadership teams across the Upper Midwest, helping them to develop Christ-centered stewardship education ministries. Through his past work and now with Thrivent, Leif has accumulated over 20 years of experience helping individuals and families implement biblical financial principles, leading to greater levels of confidence, contentment, and generosity. Leif and his wife, Chelsea, have six active children, ranging from 14 to 20 years old. They make their home in Forest Lake, Minnesota. Leif, welcome to the program. Thank you. Glad to be here. I realize uh, we have something in common. I have five kids, so I've, I got one more to, to go, although that's never going to happen. But uh, <laughs> uh, you and I know what it's like to have a very full, a full house and, Absolutely. and active people in our home. Yes. Leif, thanks for joining me. The, the reason for this podcast is to talk about personal finance and pastoral ministry. And this is an area that I think many pastors and ministry leaders struggle with, but they don't always talk about it. Right. Uh, they don't want to have their congregations know that they might be struggling with this. Maybe it doesn't seem spiritual enough. You know, you're supposed to rely on God. We're supposed to trust God for provision and finances. And so maybe it, it reflects in their mind a lack of faith to, to be thinking and planning in terms of, of finances, or there's shame that goes along if they're having trouble with these areas. And that this is such an important topic. The New Testament especially makes clear that worldly possessions and money can be distractions. We need them, but at the same time, they can be distractions, and especially if there are financial worries. So we need to make sure that they don't dominate our thinking. So I'd like to start out, what do you see as the, the major challenge for pastors and ministry leaders when it comes to finances? Well, that's a great question. You know, I think more than anything, it, oftentimes it's just a tyranny of the urgent. When you're in ministry, whether you're in a full pastoral role or a, a lay leader on staff, there's no shortage of things that need to get done. Sure. And one of the things that's true universally is that while money and dealing with money issues is important, it's really urgent mm -hmm. until it's really urgent. <laughs> and then it's almost, you know, in, in some respects, it's too late sure. in the sense that your options are very limited. Mm. And so I think that's, that's one place to, to recognize is that I mean, money plays a significant role in our lives, mm -hmm. whether we want to admit it or not. Sure. Money intersects with every arena of our life. And so to not deal with it proactively or thoughtfully, mm -hmm. um, those little decisions we make each and every day, month by month, will add up to a place of peace and contentment or great stress. Hmm. And when we, you know, if we're not in, if we haven't come from an environment, if we haven't come from a family that really um, called out the importance of dealing with it proactively we're just a product of our culture, mm -hmm. you know, whether that's the culture at large where we're getting thousands of messages every day of, you know, creating discontentment mm -hmm. um, or, you know, even at the family level, you know, I would say, look at the words that were used in your family. Look at the words that are used in your family, mm -hmm. you know, whether you, you know, it's yourself or you and your spouse. 
what's the terminology that's being used? Mm. And where did you, you know, where, where did each of you come from? What kind of terminology or cultures did you come from? And that a lot of times points to, you know, why it's a major challenge. What are some, what are some examples of the kind of language that we use around this that would suggest something about where we come from on that? Yeah, one of this plan off my own childhood, uh, we can't afford it. Hmm. We can't afford it. And what yeah. is that really saying? What does that say to a young person? Yeah. You know, I know what I heard. Um, there was never enough. Mm-hmm. And so inevitably then, God hadn't provided. Mm. Mm-hmm. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't a proactive choice that we're not going to spend our money there. It was we can't afford it. Yeah. That's a big, big difference. Sure. Um, especially if you're dealing with kids. Yeah. You know, one of the, and that's a phrase I've tried to not include in yeah. our family's vernacular, is that we can't afford it. Because the reality is in today's culture, there's very little that the average person can't afford to do. Sure. And, and, and that gets demonstrated because yeah. when we won't invest in little Johnny um, and the things that they want, but yet they see us spending money on the things that we want, <laughs> yeah. um, and I use that word intentionally, yep. want, mm-hmm. they make a connection. Yep. Um, it may not be the one that you want to yeah. want for them to make. So it's, it's really important that the words we use. I, uh, that reminds me of a conversation I had with uh, somebody who was a, probably in a similar role to yours, and, and he made the comment once that he prefers to say, we choose not to afford that, uh, as opposed to we can't afford that. We, right. we simply choose not to afford that. We can't. Yeah. Much better choice. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what are the kinds of things that you see that... Uh, particularly if you have examples or thoughts about pastors and ministry leaders and how they end up, what, what are the challenges that they're facing uh, and, and the kinds of issues that they're wrestling with that might be unique to people in ministry or something like that? Is there anything well, comes to mind? Yeah, I mean, a couple of things come to mind. Um, one is, I think, especially true in, in ministry is pay disparity. If I can bring that up, yep. I know pastors and church leaders that work ridiculous amounts of hours um, compared to your typical corporate employee that may be sitting in the pew. Mm-hmm. Even even the teachers mm-hmm. you know, that are sitting in the pew um, that certainly work significant hours during the school year, but they have that summertime to mm-hmm. recharge or to invest in other endeavors that enable them to supplement some income. So a lot of times, I think church and ministry and, and, and pastors... Uh, you know, that's a, that's a major issue mm-hmm. that hopefully they're in a place where they can have a conversation. If, if that is, you know, the, the world that they're in, that they can have that conversation with church leadership. Um, as far as particular struggles, we know through research that a lot of times pastors don't want to talk about finance. They certainly don't want to talk about it in the context of the church in mm-hmm. terms of leading it because they feel like they're they're... They don't know what to, they're talking about. They, they're not the experts. They, there may be a lot of shame around it. Sure. Um, that may go back to ego, mm-hmm. you know, but frankly, I think it goes back to lack of education. Yeah. I, I, I've talked to so, so many people that have graduated seminary or gone through ministry schools. It, it was never talked about. Yeah. You know, so again, where are they picking up that knowledge? Just being comfortable admitting that they don't know. And frankly, being aware that they don't need to be the experts. Mm-hmm. They don't need to be the experts. You know, I mean, this is a, a big issue in, in the sense that when you think about finance, it's not just the checkbook. It's not just the cash in your wallet. The reality is, is that 
finance intersects with specifically three areas of life. It's certainly the practical, mm-hmm. but it's also the emotional yeah. and the spiritual. Sure. It cover, encompasses all, all three of those things. And then if you're in a, in a marital situation, it, you, you each have your own baggage right. around it. And, sure. and to try to wrestle that. I mean, money is incredibly emotional. Yeah. We, we work hard, regardless of the role that we're in vocationally, we work hard. Mm-hmm. And, and so to... To discount that emotional element to handling finance, I think, is a mistake. But, you know, the practical part of it, and I think this is part of where the shame comes in, is that intuitively, I think we all realize that handling finance is in many ways third grade math. Mm -hmm. It's pluses and minuses. Yeah. And so surely I, a college graduate, a a (laughs) pastor, you know, should be able to handle my money better. Right. You know, we just get stuck on that practical space. Yep. And really it encompasses all those other things, including the spiritual. Yeah. And and coming to that place of understanding that God has a role and we have a role. Yeah. We can't do his and he won't do ours. Yeah. And so how do you reconcile all that while you're just stressed about, you know, the credit card payment or the mortgage or the right. rent and, and whatever? And where do you turn for help? You sure. know, it's it's a complicated thing. And I think the sooner that we can acknowledge that on an individual basis or, you know, on a, a family level, just recognize that, hey, this is a big issue. Yep. Um, maybe we've made some poor choices over the years. I know I'm guilty of that. <laughs> I mean, I've definitely been house poor in the past. Right. And, you know, you just go like, how did I, how did I get into this place? Yeah. Especially, I mean, in that season of my life, I was, I was going into vocational ministry. I was yeah. walking, you know, I was lockstep with the Lord, following his will for my life. How did I end up in this place? Sure. And it was because... I made some really bad choices yeah. that weren't in lockstep with him. Yeah. And they just come up to catch you. Well, I think I think culture plays such a big role in that too, because even though pastors and ministry leaders are understand nobody goes into pastoral ministry or, or ministry in general to get rich. I don't think right. I, I can't imagine anybody no. saying, Boy, that's the path yeah, for yeah. me to get rich. <laughs> but but we live in a culture that values certain things in a material way. And so the standard of living, the expectation of, of reflecting the standard of living of a, of a congregation is a, is a part of these things. And, and I think it's easy for pastors to, to kind of say, well, I, I, I should be able to keep up with members of my congregation. But, you know, when, when members of the congregation have opportunities for bonuses and for overtime or, or any number of things that aren't available to pastors... It's and that might be necessary to sustain that kind of lifestyle. It it becomes challenging, and yeah. and there's the pressure. It's that you, I think, particularly our American culture is one that says if you're not doing as well as or better than your parents, the previous generation, materially speaking, mm-hmm. then there's something wrong, and and you're not living up to your expectations. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that absolutely, culture plays a big role, and the the. The culture we find ourselves in, like you mentioned, a particular congregation or a particular community. I mean, that all can certainly play a role. And that's a, that's a, I might be holding another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe so. Yeah. Well, so let's shift gears a little bit in terms of what, what are some practical suggestions that you might have for folks who are listening to this, who are wrestling with financial issues? Um, some some things that they can do right away. Where can they get help? What what kinds of things might you recommend? Yeah, great great question. You know, there's there's a couple of things that came to mind uh, when I, I wrestled with that question, and and I don't want this to sound trite, but the first one honestly is getting into God's Word. Mm-hmm. 
you know, there's some great studies out there. There's over 2,300 verses in the Bible that talk about money and finance. You know, it's, yeah. it's my understanding that Jesus talked more about money than he did <laughs> about almost any other topic. Hmm. And so he knew that it would be a major issue for yep. us individually, regardless of, of our particular walk or vocation. Um, so digging into that, you know, one verse that comes to mind is Proverbs uh, twelve fifteen. Uh, the way of a, a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. Mm-hmm. So as I think about that, and I certainly want to fall on the side of being a wise person versus the fool, right, right. Um, it, it then it necessitates that I have other voices that I'm seeking out. Sure. Um, so certainly the Lord through prayer, yep. and we know that the power of that. But also if you have a spouse they should be your primary counselor. Mm-hmm. Uh, you should be checking in with them about major decisions and maybe even minor decisions. Yeah. You should be on the same page where you're at financially. I know even in my my own household, my wife doesn't want to have anything to do with our finances. Mm-hmm. And I'm constantly dragging her in saying, honey, I need you to know where we're at. Yeah. Uh, just, just so that... There's no surprises. There's no disappointment yep. on her side when I say, um, we don't have the money for that, dear. <laughs> yeah. um, and so it, it certainly um, your, your, your spouse should be um, your number one counselor. But I would say other, other folks in your congregation or in your, you know, your synod or your cohort or ministerial, um, find other godly you know, men or female pastor, other godly women who can listen, who will give you wise counsel, Yeah, maybe call you on the carpet if you are going down the wrong track. I mean, that's just, that just makes sense to do. Yeah, And, and to have that accountability partner where you have shared common goals or transparency, if, if you're one who, it, it, this is you know, not unique, but retail therapy mm-hmm. is a real mm-hmm. thing. Sure. Um, maybe having a little bit more of an aggressive attitude where you can, you're not, you're comfortable taking on some credit card debt. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's any number of situations where it would make sense to check in yeah. and maybe have made a, a, a covenant to say, hey, if I'm going to make a, a a buying decision of X amount, I'm going to make sure I've talked to somebody mm. and they've, you know, guided me, you know, given me some some wise counsel. So I would, I would definitely say um, the word spouse... Who are the other mentors? There are great godly mentors available to us all. Um, they don't have to necessarily be in person, but some of my mentors that I've enjoyed greatly is Howard Dayton. Um, he, he's running Compass Financial. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he wrote a book called Your Money Counts, and it, I, I honestly still think to this day it was one of the best books on stewardship. Yeah. Um, and so I would, I would re- highly recommend getting your hands on that. Um, Randy Elkhorn has a, a lot of great stuff on this topic. Um, there's a number of great podcasts and, and other resources um, available that we can turn to, to to help move us towards the right direction, to help move this from, you know, so hopefully it never gets to that urgent place. Mm-hmm. But not only is it important, but it's being, you know, dealt yeah. with on a timely basis. It occurs to me, th- those are great suggestions, and it occurs to me that one thing a congregation could do for their pastor that would be such a gift would be to initiate a conversation about this, not not in the sense of of shaming them or making them feel bad, but to just say we we know this is an issue, and and I think most churches would be willing to say we know we can't pay you what you know you could make in in the secular world if you if you took your 
your expertise, your your brain power, and went to some other field, you'd probably make a lot more money. We know mm-hmm. we can't do that, but we want to help you with that. And and maybe connecting them with a financial planner, a session with a financial planner, something like that as a as a gift to, to the pastor. And just say that's part of our our benefits package Absolutely. for uh, for pastors is to to provide that. You didn't mention specifically financial planning. What is your uh, take on on that and the the role that they can play for folks? Yeah, absolutely. I I would highly recommend engaging with a financial professional. Um, you know, having been one in the past, and obviously working for a company that is in that space, uh, it was interesting. I had house guests just this weekend, and they are you know thirty years into their career had kind of been doing the deal, you know, saving through their 401k, whatever. And we were just in casual conversation and they mentioned how they had started working with a financial professional about three years ago. And the stress level that's come down, Hmm. just knowing that they're on the right track. And and frankly, you know, things have gotten better for them the last three years in terms of, um, you know, some of the choices they're making, you know, from a tax standpoint or whatever the case might be, uh, because they've gotten that professional guidance. But having, having a financial professional in your life, I think, is, is a huge uh, plus. Um, you know, we know from a re- return standpoint and all that kind of you know, stuff, it, it makes a big difference mm-hmm. because no longer are you the individual necessarily making emotional sure. decisions, um, but you have that, other, that built-in accountability. Yep. Someone who has your best interests in mind that wants to help you reach those goals, whether it's buying a home, paying off college debt, saving for kids' college, saving for retirement. There are so many financial decisions, mm-hmm. major, major financial decisions that we make throughout our 20s, our 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and beyond that to just kind of wing it, mm-hmm. um, you don't have to. Yeah. You don't have to. Yeah. You know, there's, there's great people. It, you know, as you begin to explore that thing, what I would say if you're looking for a financial professional is number one, first and foremost, make sure it's someone who is in alignment with you mm-hmm. from a value standpoint. Yeah, you know, in my work with in ministry and, and working with folks on an individual basis, the thing that broke my heart more than any is, you know, I journey with them for a season and they begin to wrap their head head and heart around what the Bible had to say about finances and in, in, you know, in all areas, including giving. And then they'd go to their tax person or they'd go to their financial professional and they'd get the, the counsel that hey, you can't afford to give ten percent, mm. and it's like. Ah, that's yeah. a big miss. Right. That's a that's a huge disconnect. Right. And so so make sure that you're working with somebody, whether it's on tax or or, or a, a, you know a, a holistic financial planner, that it is somebody that's in alignment with you from a values perspective mm-hmm. first and foremost. And then secondly, I'd make sure that you know if it's you and your you know if you're married, that it's you and your spouse yeah. that are doing it together. Yep. Um, you know, even in my season of being a financial advisor, working with individuals, I, there were several clients where I never met one of the spouses. Mm. And I thought, what a miss. Yeah. What a miss. Because someday, one of you is not longer, you're no longer going to be here. <laughs> yeah. And then what? Right. I, you know, I had so many widows hmm. that didn't have a clue hmm. what their husband had, had done, you know, in terms of where, even almost where the money was or what the plan was. And so I would say, you know, absolutely make sure that it's um, from a personality standpoint, mm-hmm. that there is a sync there between both spouses. Yeah. When I was uh, pastoring just a, a few years ago, we, my wife and I went to a, a financial planner. We wanted to just get some help in terms of uh, figuring out 
how how we're doing for retirement, but also with kind of the the day to day expenses, budgeting, all that kind of thing, and, and putting it all together. And that was a real blessing for us um, because, and, and she was a believer herself. Mm-hmm. She had six kids as well. And so she knew what it was like. I mean, it, and, and I joke about that, but there is something about that to understand. I mean, grocery bills are big when you have a yeah. lot of, a lot <laughs> you of kids. You don't even tell me. <laughs> yeah. And, and so to, for her to understand that was, was a real blessing for us to, yeah. to go and to, to be able to say, are we on track for retirement, are we going to get there? Um, what do we need to think about in terms of of accomplishing our financial goals? So I I really resonate with what you're saying, in terms that I think that could be a huge a huge blessing. We actually went to somebody. There was somebody in our church who, that's their work. But um, I I asked him for a reference, and he gave me somebody outside of the church, which mm. I really appreciate because. He's a good guy and and a person of complete integrity. I have no questions whatsoever about that. But it is something different about saying to a parishioner, you know, that here's here's my financial situation and kind of laying it bare because it is we are there's a vulnerability to that. Yeah. And um, you know, we don't always make the best choices and I don't necessarily want everybody knowing the the poor choices that I've made in the past or mm-hmm. uh, that sort of thing. So so I think that uh, was a huge a huge thing for us to have that. Yeah, yeah, and, and there's there's a again if it, when you go down that track, there's a couple really great resources to, to consider. Um, you know, certainly working for Thrivent, I would encourage you to look at Thrivent Advisors. You know, <laughs> absolutely. I'd be, I'd be, I'd, you know, probably uh, be, be important for me to make that plug. Um, but we have kind of, you know advisors across the country, and, and you know we do focus on the Christian market. We want to help people be wise with money so they can live generously. Um, but also, if if you look at Kingdom Advisors, which is a, a national organization, maybe international at this point, um, I just did a quick search uh, before I came on, and it just you know in a 500 you know mile radius of my home, uh, I mean there are 100 advisors, mm. you know, and so look look there, the folks that are affiliated with Kingdom Advisors um, are on point, um, yeah, you know, from a faith perspective, that I can be sure of. Right, um, and so then it's just coming down to personality, you know. Interestingly, in the work that I've done over my career, you know, there's there's a point of the spear, and that is just wrapping your mind around a budget. You mentioned that word, mm-hmm. um, having a spending plan. Inevitably, when that gets implemented, there are debts that go down, investments go up. You know, right? there's mm-hmm. savings, mm-hmm. and there, there, that comes at season where it makes sense to work with an advisor. To yep. your point, you know, am I on track for retirement? Am I making good choices from a tax standpoint and so forth? And so maybe you, you're, you're sitting in that place going, oh, we haven't even, my wife and I haven't even, or my husband and I haven't even wrapped our heads around having a conversation about this. Yeah. And so I would, a, a great online resource that I point you to is, is a ministry called Crown Ministries. Um, they're a front runner in this whole space of biblical, you know, biblical principles. And they've got some tremendous online resources, a lot of free resources mm. um, in the form of blogs that is going to be on point biblically. Um, everything is that I've seen and, and, and experienced there is, is biblically you know, rooted. Um, and they have even some uh, online classes that mm. you can access. And so okay. to begin that tip of the spear. Um, so there, there are the resources there. Um, look for them in your congregation. Look for them. First of all, in the word, but look from in your congregation, in your community, and then you know online and some of the things we've talked about. Sure. Yeah. 
what would you say to someone um, who's listening to this and and they're just feeling a lot of despair? You know, they're they're feeling overwhelmed. Uh, they feel they're feeling hopeless, and and you know, it's a fact that pastors and ministry leaders sometimes feel hopeless, and Absolutely. we don't want to we don't want to admit that to our congregations, and and we don't bring that in the pulpit, perhaps, but that happens. So so what would you say to someone who's just feeling overwhelmed, crushing crushing debt, or just feeling that shame that comes from feeling that they've mismanaged things and and that sort of thing? Um, what what would you say to them right now? Like, yeah, um, I'd say you're not alone. We've whether we want to admit it or not, we've all been there. Mm. You know, if I had to lay bare the financial choices I've made, yeah, um, it's pretty ugly. <laughs> and I'm too. the guy that's supposed to know this. Um, <laughs> yeah. you know, as a financial professional in the past and so forth. Um, so know that you're not alone, um, and also know that that there's hope. Yeah, I have seen it time and again as I've had the privilege of counseling pastors, lay leaders, laity, um, and one-on-one opportunities that as they invite God into the situation, as they reach a place of honesty, even if it's with themselves, mm-hmm. God is still in the business of miracles. Yeah, He's still in the business of miracles. And mm-hmm. I've seen debt repayment plans that have been made that are you know, going to take years and years and years. And God has a way of blessing that mm-hmm. as you're faithful mm-hmm. to cut that time in half or more. Wow. I've seen it, whether it's a three-year plan, five-year plan, whatever the case is, God is still in the place of uh, doing miracles. And, you know, I think of um, one of my favorite passages, favorite seven verses in the Bible, talking about feeling hopeless is 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. We all know the story well, the widow and the oil. Yep. And there are so many principles in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, talk about someone who is at the end of a rope. Yeah. Well, what did she do? Yeah. She sought godly counsel. Yep. She leaned on her community. She believed in a big way. She had to go to work. Yeah. You know, God could have just solved the problem right. in any number of ways. Yeah. But he had her involved in it. Yeah. And so expect that there'll be some involvement. Yeah. But it took strong belief, yep. took a community, mm-hmm. and it took faithfulness. Hmm. And what did what did she do when uh, the oil was poured, the jars were full? She went into the marketplace. Yep. She paid off her debts and yeah. lived on the rest. Yeah. And so, yeah, God is absolutely in the place of, of doing miracles, and, and he still is today. Yeah. I've, I've, I've the privilege of experiencing it. That's great. Well, and as an Old Testament professor, it warms my heart that the example you cite is from the Old Testament, uh, <laughs> <laughs> recognizing that that's uh, still still relevant for us Absolutely. Today, so Absolutely. Yeah. Leif, this has been a great conversation. I see our time is uh, is almost up. Is there any last words you want to uh, you want to say? You've mentioned a number of great resources. We're going to post those in the show notes so that if people want to uh, find links to those things, we will we'll certainly have those available to people. Uh, any any final words you'd like to leave our listeners with? I'd just say thank you for taking the time to listen on this particular topic. Um, it does it does intersect with every arena of life and the decisions you make not only will impact your finances today but it will impact generations as you lead in your communities as you lead your family um, it is important that this topic gets talked about in a healthy way and so as you regardless of where you're at on your journey as you're more comfortable i would just challenge you and ask you be bold, have the courage to have the conversation. Mm. Um, 
we know through some research at Thrivent that um, about 83% of millennials self-reported giving less than $50, but mm. 56% of all Christians reported giving less than $50, just as recent as 2016. And there's wow. a number of reasons why, but we know through our research that it's because they're stuck in that practical and emotional space mm-hmm. of bad decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as you have the opportunity to lead people through conversation, um, I just ask you to do it. Yeah, that's a great word. That's that's staggering too, the, those statistics. That's That saddens me to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for, for that. And uh, we'll look forward to perhaps having you on again uh, for other topics. You already mentioned one that we could keep going and, and that sort of thing. Oh, thank but you. thank you for that. I also want to note that uh, Thrivent Financial has been a, a generous sponsor of the uh, upcoming pastors conference focused on work and work with purpose and that sort of thing. That's on October 22nd. So Leif, thank you for, for your support of that Absolutely. and Thrivent's support of that. Um, we will, as I said, have uh, links to all these resources in the show notes, including uh, to perhaps to Thrivent Financial so that folks can connect with that, but whatever financial planner you want to you wanna use as well, but certainly to, to Thrivent Financial. And we thank you for, for that. Upcoming episodes of uh, Whole and Holy will include our next episode is going to be focused on hiring and terminations in church ministry, things that folks need to think about with respect to that. So I encourage you to plan to listen to that. If you have suggestions for future episodes, please email us at wholeandholy at bethel.edu. And there's a hyphen between each word, so whole-and-holy at bethel.edu. We'd love to get your feedback from you as to what you like about the show, what needs to be improved, or suggestions for future topics. We'd love to hear from you on that. And if you think of it, please go to iTunes or Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts, and rate us. People can find us better. The higher our rating, the the higher we are in the listings of things, so people can find us. So please make sure that you take the time to, to rate us. Five-star ratings are great. We'll take uh, five-star ratings. That's what we want. So thank you for for that. Once again, thank you, Leif, for for joining us today, and thank you all for listening. Thank you for listening to Whole and Holy. This podcast is a production of Bethel Seminary in collaboration with Bethel University's Office of Church Relations. Please share your feedback with us, including ideas you'd like to see in future episodes, by emailing us at wholeandholy at Bethel.edu. Once again, that address is wholeandholy at Bethel.edu. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast at iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.